Hello, it's Wednesday the 4th of October. I'm Miranda Sawyer and actually it's my turn on the karaoke pretty. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we gather up the papers, tell them they're clever, get them hammered and make notes when they tell us what they really think. Just like proper journalists. We're out five days a week, Monday to Friday, and some of you are very happy to hear it. On X, both Paolo Alessandro and Ingrid Not Bergman have told us that they've liked some of our episodes so much, they listened to them twice. Ooh, <laughs> healthy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> suck us for punish. No, just suck us for puns. Way. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Read my lips. Rishi's making his tough guy speech today at the Tory party conference and the papers already know what he's going to say. Read my palms. Generation Z, Z, I'm not sure, are turning to astrology, tarot cards and palm reading just to make life feel better. And read my WhatsApps. Oh no, you can't. The Covid inquiry is back, but Rishi can't find his WhatsApp messages. Sorry. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where no matter how drunk we get, we'll never dance with Nigel Farage. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Miranda Sawyer, and joining me on the show today is writer and keen train justifier, John Ellidge. Hello, John. Hello. Also with us is comedian and rabid cycle botherer, Marcus Brookstock. (laughs) Hello. Hello. So what have we got on the front pages today, John? So the Times has Braverman, Migration Hurricane is Coming... Uh, The Guardian has PM declares politics broken in bid to wrest back control. I mean, the mind boggles, doesn't it? Um, And in a similar vein, the Telegraph has Sunak, I'll change status quo. (laughs) (laughs) No, you've missed out something there. He'll change the status quo. No, he'll change status quo. Oh, I see. Oh, the lineup. Sorry, I, did miss, I did miss the the. Unfortunately, I it's see. not about. Yeah, yeah it's genuinely not. Francis Rossi off. Okay, Marcus, what do you have? Uh, well, I've got the eye here, and they've got the secret diaries of Patrick Valance, aged thirteen and three quarters. Uh, more on that later. Um, and then Braverman's hardline job application to become Tory leader. Uh, now, the mail, brace yeah. yourselves here. Um, the whole front page has been given over to Quinton Letts, and it's fair to say uh, he had a lovely time during Suella Braverman's speech. He has managed to turn tumescence into three pages. Um, it, it, I'll just give you the first bit. What a wig lifter! <laughs> Either way, what a wig lifter. This was the first properly spellbinding, dramatically assured speech seen at a conference for years. And that's you... the headline. That's the headline. That's the I mean, headline. It just they've just gone, listen, you write what you want, Quentin. I've never seen you more excited. Beneath two different pictures of Suella, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Not one, two. Similar two. pictures. I mean, but... basically the same picture. Yeah. But... Yeah. Um, and then the star, who you can always rely on, uh, they've gone with, and at last someone's covering this, psycho scumbag chatbots aren't all bad. <laughs> <laughs> what is, I feel like, I mean, we are going to talk about Suella Braverman in a bit, Rishi Sunak, but I think we should discuss the yeah. star's front page. Yeah, what, absolutely. What well, is going on? Well, what they've got at the top is Lee Anderson says there's no real poverty these days, so they needed something equally insane. And so they've gone, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) With a picture of Terminator when he's had all of his skin taken off. And what this is, is business boss says big-brained wrong-uns will extend our lifespan to 100 and allow us to work a three-day week. 
Uh, <laughs> and then underneath in red letters, smaller, assuming they don't kill us all first. And it's basically that AI is going to mean that we don't have anything to do, but we can stay alive for ages. And this is excellent news for gambling companies and pornographers because there is going to be nothing to do. OK, why are they psycho scumbag checkbooks, though? They don't identify that exactly, <laughs> other than there's a sort of general sense that AI might in some way be a threat to us. Okay. But the star have fallen quite firmly on the side of still three-day week. <laughs> Can I just clarify, is big-brained wrong-uns like when boffins go bad? <laughs> I think I, it might I be. think it is. I think it is. Rishi Sunak is due to make his big speech today at the longest ever Tory party conference. And The Times, The Telegraph and The Guardian all got an early copy of his speech. Exciting. Apparently, it's going to be 40 minutes long. So take a book and there'll be loads <laughs> in it. John, what is he going to announce? OK, so there are three main policies, one of which is actually the removal of a policy, one of which, let's be honest, is not going to happen, and then a third one. So the one that's actually the cancellation of a policy is uh, this... Sit down, this may come as a shock. He's going to cancel the Manchester leg of HS2. Oh, my what? goodness. What? That's come what? out of nowhere. <laughs> I know. It's, I know this is, this is out of the clear blue sky. There it's I like, was, standing on the platform at Royal Oak, <laughs> and this has suddenly pulled in. It's like the assassination of Archduke transfer and then it just changes everything I don't know yeah. it, it just means the whole thing is going to be a lot less useful we spent an absolute fortune on you know, it's, not, it's not pointless the bit we're going to get between London and Birmingham it does kind of solve uh, a capacity problem in the kind of like southern Midlands north of London area but it does mean we've just spent an absolute fortune because they basically had to put it all in tunnels to shut NIMBYs up and now we don't have any money to do the bit that would actually deliver all the good stuff and sort out the country's economy our second policy uh, <laughs> Uh, he's apparently going to uh, reform A-levels by increasing not just the number of subjects you have to study, but also the number of hours you have to spend in the classroom between the ages of 16 and 18. Right. Does he say whether there will be classrooms? Well, That's this takes me... Th You're right, fine. This takes me on to why I'm not convinced... Oh, I should say, um, it also includes compulsory maths and English until 18. Uh, but this, all this kind of takes me on to like why I don't think this is going to happen. Because... This does, as you so rightly point out, Marcus, suggest the need for, you know, more classroom hours suggest the need for more classroom. Mm. It, it also, if you're going to teach more hours, you need more teachers. And this government has really set its face against um, doing anything that might improve teacher recruitment. Do you mind retention. not calling them teachers? Could you, would you mind calling them the blob? <laughs> <laughs> we need a bigger blob. <laughs> I but agree. to increase the size of the blob, you need to pay the blob better. Yes. The other reason this isn't going to happen, of course, is this lot are going to be out of power in just over a year. There is like it is quite sweet the way Rishi Sunak is running around, talking as if he's a real prime minister, yeah, and not you know the twenty first century's answer to Alec Douglas Hume. Um, the 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 third policy, which I think this is probably the one that I think has the most chance of going through because it feels actually. It's quite socially awkward, but, you know, relatively easy mm. to deliver. The world's most radical anti-smoking legislation, which will increase the age at which people can buy cigarettes by a year each year until only people over the age of 99 can buy them. <laughs> 
that's, so that's not quite true. So is there going to be one age group who are permanently one year behind the age I where you can buy is, cigarettes? I think that is basically the plan, isn't it? Oh, yeah, right. I don't really understand this because I read it and like the 99 thing is kind of a joke, but like basically... Are you saying that not everything in this perfectly written script is entirely <laughs> true? <laughs> surely not. Yeah, sorry. But like, you know, basically they're going to increase the age, but they don't kind of quite say by how much. And if it is a year... Yeah. That is a long time. I mean, that's a long time to you know for as old people. To I mean, speak. I assume that was the, what the policy was. That's kind of the simpler way of doing it. It's yeah. just like anybody born after and, I don't know two thousand and nine can never have a cigarette. And yeah. has any Tory so far done what they've done a lot of during this conference and said? And of course, under Labour, smoking will be compulsory for children. <laughs> and each year, no, no, they've they haven't said this, but they've been very clear on their intention. They want the age at which you can buy cigarettes to come down by a year until uh, until fetuses are, are smoking. smoking inside their mothers. I think it seems quite weird as well, given that Tories are normally people who go, hey, do what you like. That, I mean, you know, I'm, fi- I'm fine yeah. about it. If he wants to ban smoking, that's fine, but it doesn't seem very Tory well, to it's, me. Well, it is very rishy, though. Like the, 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 the sort of message, the only thing that binds these policies together is that they're all things he is personally interested in. Yeah. It's not actually a platform for government. It's not a platform for kind of winning an, uh, an electoral coalition. It is just stuff that... that Rishi Sunak himself thinks is good and right. Can I very quickly just read the opening paragraphs of the Telegraph story on Sunak's speech? I realise we're we're going on here and I'm going to get shouted at by the producers, but nonetheless, (laughs) I do think it's worth drawing attention to. Uh, The headline again is Sunak, I'll change the status quo. Rishi Sunak will today vow to end 30 years of the status quo in politics as he tries to position himself as the change candidate for the next general election. In his first speech to the Conservative Party conference as leader, Mr Sunak will seek to paint Sir Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, as the continuity choice for voters. <laughs> Have they forgotten who is in fucking power? It's so weird. What is going on here? It's, it's staggering. so mad. It's, it's really, absolutely really staggering. Mad. But that is the front page of the Telegraph. Yeah. And must. and there are people who will read that and go, oh, yes, no, that's right. Because yes. everything they have tried to do has failed. Yeah. The country is invisibly a much worse state than it was when they arrived and they can't possibly take responsibility for that. So all they have left is going, mm. well, we were never in proper power anyway. Yeah, it wasn't me. Marcus... There's like an exceptional story in the mail, isn't there, about Suella Braverman from the lovely Quentin Letts. You can call it a story if you want. I think it's a love letter. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's... uh, It's genuinely hard to know where to begin. Uh, Predictable voices will hate it. Well, I'd like to say, Quentin, I'd like to count myself as a predictable voice. (laughs) And yes, I did. So well well spotted there. Um, He starts by calling her Southwester Sue. Because she refers to the coming immigration levels as a hurricane. I've done a little bit of research on this, and that is a tropical storm with wind speeds upwards of 74 miles per hour. That defines a hurricane. And my my thinking is that Suella now believes winds will be strong enough to actually carry humans without them having to use a small boat all the way across the channel. That's <laughs> roughly what she's suggesting. Like Mary Poppins. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there'll be no boats, just simply people going... <laughs> and arriving. Um, and then, but, 
But he's... Did you like the noise? <laughs> it's also just imagining Dorothy and like that cow in The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like that, like, <laughs> um, but he goes on. So he's he's not less interested in her claims about there being a hurricane of immigration and says, but she herself was a tornado, uh, which is a really, really destructive wind. Hmm. Uh, so He's got very excited about her generally, hasn't he? But it's mostly so about excited. what she was wearing and how she was saying it. Yes, she? yeah, yeah. He described at great length her her powder grey power suit, and he said even before she came on, cheers, hard clapping. Uh, a few people stood. A gent three rows in front of me was going nuts, and she hadn't said a word <laughs> before she'd even come on. Quentin, that's a mirror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he does a slightly strange reference to her. I suppose fairly prominent teeth. He says she bears her pearlies at the crowd as if demonstrating them to an equine dentist. Hmm. So he doesn't he doesn't like it all. I mean it's He's a fair sexualizing her and negging her oh, at the same yeah, time. Oh absolutely. you think you think that was sexualizing her? Brace yourself for this. Um she said we listen, we learn, we renew ourselves and he writes as she said that she pushed her two hands upwards in the air and wriggled her long fingers could have been a doctor slipping on the latex gloves before asking a patient to drop his bags. And then, and then, <laughs> I may not have been the only bloke to gulp audibly. Oh, my God, it's horrible. It's really, it's a, it's, it's it's a very grim. strange proclivity. Isn't For me, it? the point at which I did... I did really part company with Quinton Letts. It was when he referred to Enoch Powell just by his first name. Um, they'll denounce her as the next Enoch. Oh, do you remember Enoch? Um, it's just amazing. And, um, on and on. At this, she leaned forward on the lectern and stared hard at the audience. No one dared even squeak. We were all terrified. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I hate to be rude about it, but he's definitely done something in his pants there. Oh, he? he's so excited by this. And it's, I mean, it's bizarre. This is a, a column all about style and delivery. He does not address, really, anything that she said in the speech and certainly doesn't address the fact that as a Home Secretary, she has failed. Like, all the policies that she's suggested have failed. Her dealing with the the migrant crisis or emergency or however you want to frame it. Have, hurricane. Have failed. Hurricane, yeah, exactly. Weather system. Well, that depends on whether you see her job as being to deliver on the policies that she said her home office would deliver on or whether it's to position herself... Yeah. To be the leading candidate in the next Tory leadership race. And I suspect she and maybe Quentin too would say the latter. Yeah. yeah. But the end, uh, the last thing that Quentin Letts does here is refer to the closing of Suella Braverman's gust or speech, if you would prefer. Uh, he says, and then the tornado passed. The curtains ceased flapping. Mrs. Braverman closed almost with a whisper, quoting Shelley's Rise Like Lions After Slumber. In an unvanquishable number, shake your chains like dew, poetry after the tempest, which is a very bizarre quote yes, for her to Yes, I would like to, to get used, upset right? about that because I'm from Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> so that is a quote from Shelley's Mask of Anarchy. And he wrote that after the Peterloo Massacre, which 18 people died and 500 people were injured, when the cavalry basically charged at a crowd of protesters who were protesting over voting rights. So it is a traditionally Labour, it's a working person's mm. uh, poem. So for her to quote from it, it's really weird because actually it ends, ye are many, they are few which is about the power of the people and usually a Labour slogan. 
I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Lots of people talk about us and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, yeah. we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Now, in the eye, there's an interesting piece about how Generation Z, I'm, I've been told I've been saying this completely wrong, Gen Z are getting no. excited <laughs> by the dark arts, spending their downtime doing tarot and palm reading for each other, possibly whilst wearing a lot of tinkly gold necklaces. Um, Marcus, what is going on here? Well, this is a story in the eye, and it says the answers are written in the stars for young women. Spiritual practices such as astrology, Reiki, Angel cards, whatever palm they are. readings. What are angel cards? Angel cards are, uh, and I only know this because I was made to do the research this morning, <laughs> are like tarot cards, but with all the mean ones taken out. <laughs> basically, it's woke the tarot. Yeah, there's no hanging man. It's, there's no death. It's woke tarot. It's basically someone getting um, a deck of tarot cards and going, guys, trigger warning. <laughs> Uh, and they've taken all the skeletons out, effectively. So, yeah, angel cards, palm readings, crystals and energy healing, otherwise known as the mystic services market, or as I call it, goop. Oh, come on. Uh, the, the, the overlap. It's a little bit problematic then. Right? Yeah, sure, sure. But the overlap between this, and I have to tread a little bit carefully because I have people who I love very, very dearly who are into some of this. This deeming heap of slightly dangerous horse shit uh, is is like a portal into QAnon. Well, okay. Look, I would, I'm just going to say, speaking as someone who was once a 20 year old, uh, you know, woman, <laughs> if only. Um, I mean, this this writer, I do like this. The, the writer visited a pop up palm reader <laughs> in the pub, which just sounds like a job I want to do. Pop up palm reader. There's a point in your 20s as a, a as a woman, mm. as perhaps just as a straight woman where all that stuff seems incredibly great you don't know really what's going to happen so let's just get the tarot cards out and we'll read them there was a uh, I remember one person saying to me when I was in my 20s is have you ever slept with anyone without knowing their star sign first and I genuinely think that most women in the 20s haven't they just wow. haven't they need to know even if they don't believe it they need to know are you a Leo are you a Taurus or whatever I mean it's amazing do I need to be lying about this <laughs> no 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 what are you Libra Fine. People are fancy. That's okay. Libra's, hey. uh, Libra's all right. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> <Way>. <laughs> okay then, then I'm suddenly in favour of this whole, this whole thing. <laughs> okay, John, there's also in the Times, there's a seemingly connected piece. Yeah, this is linked. Definitely. Yeah, definitely linked. About a new master's degree course at Exeter University. What is it going to be in? So the new, I can see why everyone's tried to link this. The new is a postgraduate degree course in the subject of magic and occult science. Amazing. And I came in, I was all ready to mock this. But it actually sounds fucking brilliant. <laughs> like, so it offers students the opportunity to study the history and impact of witchcraft and magic around the world on society and science. Okay, that sounds... That's legit. That yeah. sounds, That's well, legit. Sounds a bit interesting. Yeah. It sounds a bit woo. But it says, academics with expertise in history, literature, philosophy, archaeology, sociology, psychology, drama and religion will explore the role of magic in global culture. Mm -hmm. This is my favourite paragraph. Modules to choose from include dragons in Western literature and art, Excellent. the legend of King Arthur, the philosophy of psychedelics, paleography, 
Islamic thought. I don't know how that's in there. <laughs> Archaeological theory and practice and the depiction of women in the Middle Ages. Yeah, um, that, I mean, those are all totally legit things to study. I think this sounds really interesting. The role of dragons in mythology and storytelling. Yeah, even, yeah. Like they're, they're pitching it as being like, you know, you will learn about magic, but actually you're learning about, you know, a particular aspect of culture. Sounds which sounds great. Really, it's a brilliant It's course. no bigger waste of time than any arts degree. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Although, this, this paragraph is worth dwelling on. Students will be able to choose between writing a primarily text-based dissertation mm -hmm. or using performative techniques. <laughs> Which is basically they're just going to cast think, spells. That's insane. It's going to be or amazing. dragons. Yes. All these things is literally we're, Harry Potter come to life. We were going to give you a two-one, but you've earned yourself a first because your cape is magnificent. <laughs> Now, here at Paper Cuts, headlines are our happiness. We admire alliteration, we're wild for wordplay, and we're freaky for a fun pun. OK, Marcus, what do you have? Um, a fuming dad claims a Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant worker drew penises on his takeout bag. <laughs> Why would you not? Well, exactly. David Carpenter <laughs> said he spotted the rude doodles when one of his two young children said, what's this on the bag? <laughs> Uh, the worker completely denied uh, he'd done it, but the headline is, it's fried dickin'. Um, <laughs> you could have just left it at KFC and had it stand for cock, I suppose, but there we are. Um, it's fried dickin'. And then the other one is about a plague of insects that are in, uh, invading France. Mm. Uh, and the headline is, the headline has to be performed, uh, which if I were doing a degree at Exeter would get me extra marks. Beware of le bedboog. Le bedboog. Oh oui, le bedboog. Apparently there are uh, millions of bedbugs in Paris. Oh, it's a sad uh, day. Well, sure, sure, sure. Unless you're a bedbug. John, what do you have? So, The Sun, page 13, has a piece about how uh, couples who meet online are less happy than others with married life, a study shows. I'm not entirely sold on, on this research, I have to say. It's from a survey in the US of 923 adults, about half of whom met their future spouse online. I think it's possible that this is oversimplifying a complex <laughs> phenomenon. Um, but the, the headline is, is top quality. It's, don't get me to the church online. Oh, very good. Okay. I like that. OK. And uh, you have another one in the sun, don't you? I do, over on page 21. This is, this is the story of the week. <laughs> um, it's about a personal trainer in Edinburgh who's been forced to change her name because she's called Siri. Mm -hmm. So every time anybody says her name, every iPhone in the room starts pinging and <laughs> listening to what people are saying. So she's now known to friends as Siz, apparently. Uh, anyway, the headline is, You Can't Be Serious. Oh, that's right. that is an unfortunate thing, isn't it? If people are asking, I a don't. I'm not sure. I believe this is true. It says uh, the name Siri means beautiful woman who leads you to victory in Old Norse. Does it though? <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. Can it? I say how pleased I am that you've now said Siri three times and none of our phones have gone <laughs> off? Which means we have been smart enough to turn off that function on our phones. I mean, I've got an Android, so <laughs> yeah. Good. Now, the COVID inquiry is still ongoing, as it possibly will be for the rest of our lives. And Patrick Vallance, who was the chief scientific advisor to the government during COVID, has been giving evidence to the committee led by Lady Hallett. John, so Patrick Vallance kept a diary, didn't he? And he's been reading from this diary. What has he been saying? 
So it, basically, he's talking about how everything was chaos. Boris Johnson mm. uh, flip-flopped a lot. Uh, there's a good quote, this ridiculous flip-flop is getting worse. The PM lurches from open everything to panic. Uh, I mean, this is a shocking indictment of Boris Johnson's decision-making process, which I think has probably come as a surprise to all of us. Yes, obviously. Um, this flip-flopping is impossible. One minute, do more. Next, do nothing. Um, here's another good bit. Number 10, chaos as usual. On Friday, the two-metre rule meeting made it abundantly clear that no one in Number 10 or the Cabinet Office really read or is taking time to understand the science advice on two metres. Quite extraordinary. Wow. I mean, it's quite weird, isn't it? Because they did the, the one thing that the government always said is we're following the science, but it turns out they didn't even bother to read it. Well, following it, it, it you know, in the way that uh, the average male driver follows directions from his partner. <laughs> yeah, you know? I actually, that. I do. Oh, I'm going to get myself cancelled. I have, mm. a, I have at least some sympathy for the government during COVID, because people talk about, well, you need to follow the science, as if that means you know the science says you do one thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, you know, the act, you know, politics is by definition the act of kind of like balancing different interest groups. Exactly. And, and it, you know, follow the science overlooks all sorts of other things going on. I mean, we could have, in theory, locked down completely, no daily walks and all the rest of yeah. it, and had sort of food parcels delivered by the military. And there's a pretty good uh, follow through there that you could assume that COVID wouldn't find its way around the country, but that wouldn't work and it would have there will be There would be other downsides. Not that, that the science was suggesting that, but no. it is nuanced, yeah. There is there is a piece in the eye, uh, which is about a report, talking to um, people with quite severe conditions that are requiring them to, mm. to self-isolate uh, for a long time after lockdown, some of them even now. And that's, that's horrible. And I feel mm. so sorry for these people. Mm. I mean, you know, locking down the eco entire economy is, of course, not the only option. Like, you can, mm. you can work around this by providing financial support, which the government has shown no interest in doing. But on the other hand, it's probably not realistic to have expected the government to to keep everything locked down forever mm. You know, you can just say follow the science and use it as a stick to beat ministers with, but it's not always obvious what the science is telling you. No, the problem with what the diaries reveal essentially is possibly not even that. It's just the fact that they're not very good at making decisions. Yeah. That's it, the big deal, isn't mm. it? That's the point. It is. Like, I can't remember who the quote comes from, but there is something I read at some point, certainly, which said that Boris Johnson uh, is like a sort of whoopee cushion. He bears the imprint whoever last sat on him. Wow. Mm. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not even 100% sure that was about him, but it was <laughs> certainly yeah. the sort of thing people say about him um, and it does kind of that really comes through in these diaries of like he's he was changing his mind every five minutes yeah I mean it, it's just it's a high pressure situation you do need a certain sort of strength of character and just be like no this is what's right this is what we're going to do and he just he's not that guy no he even isn't. even for fans of Johnson I mean the out there fans I mean all the way out to Nadine Dorries would have to say he's Quentin Letts very much that, yeah yeah that something like Covid is a very bad match with Boris Johnson as a leader. Something like COVID is a very bad match with Donald Trump as a leader. These are not the right people for this uh, unforeseen yeah. horror show. Uh, one of the things that really interested me from the Telegraph piece there was that clearly Johnson thought that Matt Hancock was dreadful as health secretary and continued to say, you know, that he's sort of excitable. Uh, and that he's useless, uh, on and on and on, but obviously felt that he couldn't get rid of him. And perhaps during a, you know, a COVID yeah. pandemic like that, maybe you don't switch health secretary. I don't know. But it was clear that both Cummings, who was very important at the time, uh, and Johnson thought Matt Hancock was appalling. Yeah. Uh, but to be fair, so did Matt Hancock. 
I think Matt <laughs> Hancock knew he was shit at this. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to John. Thank you. And thanks to Marcus. Thank you very much. Remember, we're now out five days a week and we'd be very grateful for your support so we can keep on keeping on for you every weekday. We are a 100% independent outfit. There is no big media owner here. We spend £600 a month on papers alone and the recycling can get heavy. So why not chip in to keep Paper Cuts afloat? For as little as £3 a month, you can get every episode without adverts. Support us with a little bit more and you can get extended episodes with extra funny bits, plus the coveted paper cuts, mugs and T-shirts as occasionally modelled by us. Follow the show notes to back.papercutshow.com. That's B-A-C-K dot papercutshow, two S's in there, dot com to find out more. Our beloved supporters get a shout out on the show and here are three now. So, John, who do you have? Hello, and thanks very much from me to Pete Carlton. That was very sexy, John. Thank you. <laughs> Everything I do is very sexy, Miranda. You should know this. You think that was sexy. Brace yourself. <laughs> Go on, Marcus. Uh, I want to say a very special hello to Paul Gregory and say I'm as pleased to see you as Quinton Letts was to hear Suella Braverman's speech. Wumph! You're a hurricane, Paul. <laughs> Even now, Paul is unsubscribing. <laughs> Come back! <laughs> Mine is going to be quite simple. Hiya and grazie mille, Victor Vinci, which I think means Victor Victor, actually. <laughs> anyway, Victor Vinci, thank you very much. Uh, I've been Miranda Sawyer, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when the Telegraph reveals that the sound of military helicopters passing by has been sending Australian crocodiles into what they call a romp in the swamp sexual <laughs> frenzy. <laughs> Choppers out, you crocties. <laughs> Sorry, Mum. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Papercuts was written and presented by Miranda Sawyer with John Ellidge and Marcus Brigstock. The group editor was Andrew Harrison. The managing editor of news was Jacob Jarvis. The production support was by Adam Wright and the producer was Liam Tate. The music and audio production was by Simon Williams and the executive producer was Martin Boitosh. Papercuts is a Podmasters production.